0: Hello, friends. Welcome to episode one, two, three, three of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Wednesday evening into Thursday. And thank you for joining us on the podcast. As always, making Locked On Hawks your first listen each and every day. Check us out on all podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and of course, YouTube. Today's podcast will be myself and Ben Ladner, friend of the podcast, part two of two. If you missed it, part one dropped earlier this week with Ben and I talking about the NBA playoffs and a sort of a broad look at what's going on in the postseason. Part two today that you're about to listen to right now is uh, more Hawks related. We talked about the end of the season for the Hawks, Hawks Heat, how that all went, obviously in not great fashion for the Hawks, as well as what it tells us about the future for Atlanta. Problems that Ben might have seen from the Hawks roster, what could be changing in the future, what they have to do, what they Possibly could do all of the other factors in play with the Hawks. We'll have all kinds of conversations about this with different guests along the way. But Ben is very, very smart. and Is plugged into the Hawks and the entire NBA. So a fun conversation ahead with Ben. One note here at the top of the podcast. There's a little bit of news that actually dropped on Tuesday into Wednesday. Bogdan Bogdanovic finished number six. In the sixth man of the year voting for the Atlanta Hawks. Obviously uh, not a podium finish there for Bogey, but uh, I think a deserving inclusion in the top six probably would have been a little bit higher for me, honestly, but there you go on that. A, uh, at least a member of the Hawks sort of landed on the awards voting uh, somewhere along the way in the NBA realm. So that's it for, uh, for as far as the news portion is concerned. Not a whole lot going on in Hawks land, but still the draft is coming, so we'll have more draft content later this week and next week, etc. We'll have wall-to-wall coverage of the autism, and that includes today's podcast with myself and Ben Ladner. So after. you hear the intro it'll be myself and ben talking about the hawks the heat matchup and much more coming up you are locked on hawks your daily atlanta hawks podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day I am joined once again by a friend of the podcast, Ben Ladner, who is back for something of a part two, I'm not dropping these episodes back to back, but uh, you're listening to this podcast later in the week. And Ben and I talked about the NBA playoffs on Tuesday, and we're back talking about more on the actual Atlanta Hawks on this episode. Ben, welcome back.
1: Thanks. Good to be here.
0: Uh, so we covered a lot of ground in the last episode, kind of sprinkled some Hawks talk in there along the way, because we just have to go back to the Hawks somewhere along the way. But uh, I want to start kind of narrow with how you thought the Hawks played in the Miami series, obviously not particularly well. And then we'll kind of zoom out from there and get into some big picture stuff as well. Um, I want to start with the Hawks offense because that was sort of a talking point for me. And for most people in the playoffs, they just could not score in the series against Miami. And uh, I'll say this probably a number of times, but all credit to Miami for playing great defense in that series. They were awesome. But uh, the Hawks scored about 104 points around 100 possessions, in that series, which would have been like a league worst figure after being number two in the league in regular season. Um, that obviously is the headliner. Uh, I won't even lead you anywhere. What did you see from the Hawks offense against Miami and uh, what was uh, sort of concerning about that or not concerning about that for uh, Big Picture?
1: Yeah, well, it, it it did not look good, like you said. <laughs> Thank you. <That'll, laughs> so that'll be
0: it. That, that, that's it for us, everybody. Thank you for listening. Yeah, thanks. We'll
1: see you next time. Uh, Yeah, a bit of a slog. I I mean, I think Miami's switching defense was really good. I mean, Bam Adebayo is one of the best, maybe the best switching big man in the NBA. He certainly was that in this series. Uh, He stayed in front of Trey Young really well. Miami's other defenders, just, you know, they're really like, they're just a team of really good, solid, versatile, athletic defensive players. And that's what this series kind of was, you know, from, from, I guess, for the Hawks perspective, it's sort of similar, I guess, to kind of what we talked about with Luca and the Mavs against the Suns, where like playing through this one guy all of the time on offense, maybe isn't as effective in the playoffs as it is in the regular season, because defenses can get used to that. You know, it's, it's sort of like a like facing a pitcher who throws a hundred miles an hour every pitch. Like eventually the hitter's going to time that up and he's going to figure out, you know, where, like what location you want, what speed is coming and you know, be able to hit it. So I think there was probably a little bit of that for Atlanta. They could probably stand to diversify their offense, not only in these playoffs, but I think all season that, I mean, it's, it's hard to say that a team with the second best offense in the NBA should change anything, but like, this is why you do it, right. Is like you, you want to have other things that you can do offensively rather than just let's have this one guy run a pick and roll or attack in isolation, because if, if the opponent knows that's coming, they're going to scheme for that. They're gonna be in places that you're not expecting. They're gonna help from different places. They're gonna they're gonna force guys like Kevin Herter and Bogdan Bogdanovich to beat you. And they they couldn't, you know, and 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 like part of that too is like I heard Ben Taylor talking about this on his, his podcast as well. Like for if, if you're Kevin Herter, you know, the shots that you're getting as a secondary guy when the defense is loaded up on Trey in the postseason are different from the shots you get as a secondary guy in the regular season when all your looks are like off of swing passes and kickouts and they're easy looks. Now you're shooting earlier in the shot clock. You're being maybe even like dared to shoot. And there's like a little more pressure on you because like, okay, yeah, we'll live with you shooting. And you're going to have to do it from different places on the floor, different areas of the shot clock, things like that. And like that can, I mean, it's, that's not the only reason the Hawks lost, but like little things like that, when you're, when you're just in a different offensive flow, can make even the same shots feel different because you're just taking them under a different context. I think there was a little bit of that at play in this series. And, you know, again, just like Trey Young not being able to do anything against what is admittedly a really good defense. It's like when when everything is built around this one guy and this one guy can't do what he typically does and you don't have any other options, like that's that's a tough place to be. And that's that's kind of where the Hawks ended up.
0: Yeah, that's the result, and obviously that is. I'm not saying it's been a concern; it's been a talking point for the entirety of the Trey Young era. It's also a talking point beyond the Hawks on this. Like, there's the there's the ever uh, persistent conversation about the heliocentric offenses. We talked about one in the last podcast with Luka Doncic in Dallas. Like, that's obviously those guys are leaking for a number of reasons. But um, James Harden's another dis- discussion point back back in Houston. It's not just those yep. guys. Like. There's been a discussion about like if you can do that at the highest level and whether it works at the highest level. And clearly, um, for the Hawks having only one guy, and you know part of it is that he just didn't play well. That that also plays into this. Um, Miami gets credit for it for sure, but Trey should have been better than he was in the series, and he was terrible. I mean that that's worth pointing out as well. Um, but yeah, it goes into those like, does he need more help? Yes. Could he play better? Yes. Uh, it's like all these things mashed up into one. It's a five game sample and you're playing against a team that's the number one seed and you're not the number one seed and all those things. But I do think that the, the scheme versatility that Miami had the way that they defended him physically. And it was just kind of striking to see. I'm not sure. I mean, obviously you weren't watching it the same way I was, but um kind of the pass, the passive nature of what trey had in the series as well like he kind of i'm not saying he gave up but it was like he stopped trying to get to the rim at some point mm-hmm. like he just kind of it was he was trying he he'd do his move or two and then he was kind of just settling for jumpers and um that's part of the deal when you're, when you're six one but usually he is very aggressive and hunting and trying to get to the rim get to his floater etc and the way he was being defended and also just the way maybe he just got worn down by the series as well but by game by game four game five it was just a lot of like floating. He didn't even take a lot of shots in those games. And it was striking to see an entire playoff series where Trey young averaged 37 minutes a game. He didn't take the most shots in the series for the Hawks. That's, that's insane. The fact that, I mean, obviously it's one game samples are different, but DeAndre Hunter took more field goal attempts than Trey young did in the playoffs. Wow. That's, that's remarkable. Now, part of that was that game five Hunter took 30 shots or whatever it was, but yeah, I mean, obviously Trey took more free throw attempts. So if you want to factor that all in, it's probably leading slightly to Trey. But in terms of field goal attempts, I, b- I believe that Hunter took at least, I think maybe maybe two more shots than Trey did. One more shot. So Hunter took 70 shots in five games. Trey took 69 shots in five games. So like that's striking in itself. Like for him to have the usage that he has and to not even average 14 shot attempts a game in the playoffs, that's also weird. So I'm not even sure what the takeaway is, Ben. And I'm not even sure what, I, what I've just said. But it's one of those things where like, there was so much going on to where I have a hard time and I was, I watched every game twice pinpointing like exactly what happened because it was a mix of all those things.
1: Yeah. I mean, like, like you said, it was just kind of odd to see. I mean, it's like Trey Young was pretty good against the bucks last year when he was healthy, which was a great defense. And so, yeah,
0: a different defense, but he's certainly, I mean, obviously last year and man, I am so glad on some level about this because if this had been his first playoffs and he played mm. like this, the conversation would be horrible, the dialogue would be horrible, and I think you and I would be on the uh, let's not panic about this side most likely because it's five games. But I, I did try to imagine like if he did not have that playoff series, uh, the playoffs last year, the three the three series where he was pretty much awesome in two of the three, and then he had a couple of games against Milwaukee too. Man, if this was it, if this is the first time he's in the playoffs, it would be insufferable. It really would be.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm glad for everyone's sake that we're not in that situation. Everyone's sake.
0: And Trey and Trey's, because I don't believe this is indicative of what he's gonna be in the playoffs now. Like that's that's that'd be silly to right. say. I'm sure someone said that somewhere, but like I don't think that's true. I mean, I think Trey's a superstar and he's not gonna have this kind of issue, but maybe it's a wake-up call for everybody, both him and the team. Like, okay, um, we didn't we didn't run into a switching scheme for the most part last year. Uh, and we saw it in the playoffs. Uh, I it, saw it in the regular season a little bit, and McMillan talked about that a lot throughout the grind of the regular season. Like they've seen every defense, but seeing it in the regular season versus seeing it over five games against a really good defense in the playoffs—that's built basically to stop you—is uh, different, as we found out.
1: Yeah. And I think another thing we saw was once Trey was like kind of neutralized, like early on in games, he would start to press and take bad shots and force the issue and Definitely. turn the ball over and. You know, and, and like that's—he's not the only guy that does that. A lot of players who are used to scoring, who aren't scoring in a particular game, will kind of resort to that just to get going. And it did work. Was a game three when he hit the, the game-winning floater, or game four, whatever it was. Like eventually, he did kind of get it going in that game. But for the most part, it kind of just resulted in him taking bad shots that weren't really going in. And then that came at the expense of his teammates getting better shots. It came at the expense of the Hawks' transition defense because Miami's able to get the rebound or get the live ball turnover and go the other way. And, you know, maybe we shouldn't be so harsh given that it was an ultimately, it is an eight seed losing in five games to a one seed. That's not altogether unusual, but I I think, you know, it is, it is right to point out that the way the Hawks looked in this series, because you would expect like my expectation coming in was okay. Like the Hawks will be able to score reasonably well. Their offense will keep them in the game, but their defense is just going to fall apart. They're not going to be able to keep up with Miami's continuity and their screening and passing and all that. But that really wasn't it. It's was like their offense, which was supposed to be their strength, was really the thing that struggled. And, and maybe that's what you're talking about with these heliocentric guys. It just doesn't translate in the same way to the postseason because of what we said earlier, just the the keying in and the ability to game plan a little bit more intensely. But whatever the reason, there there's some some stuff to figure out for the Hawks (laughs) offensively. And I will say, I mean, while we're here, I I didn't think, um, Nate McMillan was, was the most creative offensive coach in this series. Uh, he probably could have run some better stuff in the half court to get better shots. Uh, that, you know, yeah, we, we don't necessarily need to go all the way down that road (laughs) because I know Hawks fans are, no,
0: I was going to, I was going to ask you, I was going to ask you about Nate too along the way, but yeah, I think that's a, that's a good way to put it. It did not, you know, have the, uh, fire nate conversation on this podcast because we've done, i'll probably do that on, on my own along the way because there's been a lot of questions about it and mailbags and i'm sure i'll get into all that stuff later but at, at a bare minimum i think it is uh no probably known before the series started as i said i know i, I know i said it and then after the series ended uh the hawks were a very large coaching mismatch in that series which didn't help matters uh, and by the way that's credit to spolster who's awesome so it wasn't yeah. like nate was going against just a random somebody
1: uh spolster's a top five guy in the league so yeah. That the Sixers, me. by the way, also at a big coaching disadvantage in the second round.
0: Yeah, as uh and I, honestly, uh Doc Rivers and Amy Millen have a lot of similarities in a lot of ways. They do. <laughs> they've been along, they've been around for a long time. Obviously, Doc has a title, which changes things. He's a lot more famous than Amy Millen is, but uh they do have a lot of similarities. I don't, I'm I'm not even sure who I think is a better coach, uh, which says something about both of them, I guess. I'm not really sure what to say about that, but uh yeah, they're very similar. Okay. Before we get to uh, some stuff about the defense and actually some team building aspects, I want to ask you some big picture questions about what the Hawks need in the future. But first, a word from our sponsors on the podcast today. Today's podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. And of course, it's now into the month of May, and baseball season is up and running at full steam. And of course, that means the NBA playoffs are also here. With the jam Pack of games almost every night across the sporting landscape for the next couple of weeks and months. With that in mind, BetOnline.net is the number one source for all of your sports betting needs and information this year. They have the latest odds, contests, player props, futures, exotics, and much more. And really, it's the best spot in the sports world for all of the latest developments, including podcasts and reviews for all of the leagues this season, not just basketball or baseball either. line is the continued source for all of the sports waging information that you need and all the needs that you possibly could possibly have anyway, really, even beyond sports, including live betting and your favorite casino games. BetOnline also has odds on other sports. That includes golf and eSports, tennis, auto racing, horse racing, hockey, MMA, boxing, soccer, cricket, entertainment bets, and much more. And it's always time. It's always fun, even for me, to look ahead of the futures market. That includes the NFL, college football. All those sports are not in season right now, but there's always something to bet on at BetOnline.net. Head to the website right now on your your computer-mobile device to learn more about all the trends and the action across the sports world and just visit BetOnline today. But online where the game starts. All right, Ben. Um, you mentioned the defense briefly. I don't want to spend too much time on this necessarily, but uh, I do wonder like what you made of the defense because you know clearly part of the issue on offense too was that the Hawks didn't have their bigs at full strength. You know, John Collins, the Capella not being themselves in that series made them to be drawing dead on both ends of the floor in a lot of ways. Congo had a great game three when they won. He was a huge part of that and played great. But he's still a rookie. Had some book. Not not a rookie. Second year player had some second year player moments, uh, but. I wonder what you made of it because, like Miami's offense, I wasn't necessarily a full full believer in. I'm still not necessarily a believer in it um, at the highest levels, but for the most part, they got what they needed to get against the Hawks. Not a huge surprise, but um, it's kind of crazy now as I think about this as I'm saying it out loud. How much more time we spent on the Hawks' offense struggling the defense because the offensively they've been good for a long time. Defensively, they were really bad, and it was like they were great defensively in the series, but. I actually had less of a problem with the defense kind of throughout. Not that they were shutting them down, but they didn't have like these huge gaping breakdowns. It's just more like fundamentals. Like they just don't have the, the the guys necessarily.
1: Yeah. 113, 114 off or defensive rating, whatever it was in the series is not terrible. I, I think
0: mean, you take that. Honestly, if I told you that before the series, I think you'd probably have to take it. If you're the Hawks. it yeah. Didn't,
1: it yeah. Just didn't but I mean, like you're saying, it's not, um, it, it was, it wasn't really any one thing defensively. It's just like, Miami's offense and I agree with you I think at the highest levels against the best defenses I am kind of skeptical of their offense because they don't have that like three level pick and roll scorer, you know unless you want to count Tyler Hero which I don't really um, but Miami's offense is sort of designed to take advantage of a defense like the Hawks because Trey Young is obviously very bad at the point of attack uh, Kevin Herter is fine in Certain scenarios, but when he has to guard Jimmy Butler a lot, he's less fine. Bogdan Bogdanovich same deal, probably a little worse than Herter defensively, but not like not killing you on his own. But it's just when you have all three of those guys as your backcourt rotation that hurts. DeAndre Hunter is good, but Capella not being healthy for most of the series, John Collins not being healthy, it's just like the the, the continuity and the screening and the movement, both ball and player movement that the Heat run against a team like the Hawks, who is not the most disciplined and connected and communicative defense, that stuff is eventually just going to... You're eventually going to get a wide-open layup or a wide-open three because someone's going to miss a rotation. Someone's going to not be where they're supposed to on defense. There's going to be some kind of breakdown, and the Heat are masterful at exploiting defensive breakdowns. That's kind of what their offense is predicated on. So like that matchup, that, that was my... Take kind of coming into the series was that the, the Hawks' defense, like it's not, it's not even so much the personnel as much as it is just like the way they play defense and the lack of of real like high level discipline defensively was just not going to lead to good results against Miami. And it actually worked out better than I expected, but I think we still saw a lot of those instances where it's like, okay, they run a weak side screening action, they run something else on the strong side, eventually someone gets lost player x like loops through to the corner he's wide open or like someone's open on a roll to the basket because you know whoever it was didn't rotate from the weak side and like now they're getting a dunk and it's it's like those kinds of things it's it, as more than it is like okay jimmy butler drove by trey young in isolation for the fifth time you know
0: <laughs> yeah i think you can i think that's all fair and i think they played reasonably well defensively especially when you account for the fact that capella wasn't capella in capital letters physically same thing with collins like i said a number of times in like march and april that the hawks actually missed collins more defense than offense and part of that's who he was, who he was, he was replaced by and that's gallo and Gallo's defensively is uh, not good um, i forgot
1: to even mention him but yeah, yeah. He, <laughs> not the well, most
0: yeah the fundamental the fundamentals of having to play lineups with trey and gallo together like a lot is just I mean, I don't want to oversimplify it too much, but when you have two those two guys playing together, you just cannot construct a good defense. I, I mean, maybe if they were playing with uh, pick your three elite defenders together, maybe you get, get by with that. But in the playoffs, maybe not. I mean, having two weaknesses like that, uh, it almost doesn't matter who you're, who you're playing with. You're going to have some issues. Um, and Miami's smart enough to sort of attack that stuff. So that's uh, certainly appropriate. Um, I want to zoom out a little bit and ask you sort of a bridge question. And this is sort of an odd framing as well, but uh, I was asked this the other day and I thought about it before, but it kind of set me back on my heels when I was asked uh, on, on a radio hit. And uh, the question basically is how good are the Hawks right now today with this roster? And I think the consensus way, the way that I put it is like somewhere between last year and this year. And I kind of never bought that they were as good as they were last year. I think I don't think most people bought it, to be honest with you. Um, I thought they were probably closer to where they were level wise in the playoffs. They did play great at times in the playoffs. But like I'll just leave it there. Like how how good are they right now? Before we talk about like the roster turf, because they're gonna have some roster moves, I think, but with their current roster this year, take out injuries, take out whatever you want to say. Like how good were the Hawks in your mind in terms of just like team quality?
1: Uh, man, that's
0: it's tough. I know. It's like Yeah.
1: I mean, I like you, I I agree it's somewhere between last year and this year. The big variable to me is Capella or Okonga, whoever is gonna be your defensive anchor your your starting center of the future or the next year or two that's that's kind of what this hinges on because like we've said offensively they were really good this year they just couldn't stop anyway if they'd had i guess now two years ago that defense with this year's offense that's a like that might be a top six seed in the east i mean that's a really good team um but when you have the 28th ranked defense or whatever they were in defensive rating this year, it almost doesn't matter how good your offense is, especially in the playoffs, because you're like a great offense. It seems like a great offense may be more likely to be neutralized than a great defense is to be covered up yeah. against a really good team like Miami. So, um, well, I also, mean, that's always going to be thing
0: th- about like how, how bad they actually were defensively. Like, I don't believe this roster is the fourth worst defense in the league. I, I, I really don't. I, I mean, they're not good. I want to stress that like, it's not a good defensive roster, but if you tell me like send the season again, I don't think they're going to finish 27th. I really don't. Especially, especially if Capella's is alive for most of the season, like he's really good. Um, but like they, you know, they did it. They were as bad as the numbers are. that like, You, you kind of are what you are in terms of the numbers. Um, I, I do think that their personnel has some issues defensively that are very obvious, but also just have to be said over and over again. Like, there's this, I mean, there's always this this question about like defense is all about effort. Ben, people, people always say that, but like you you have yes, you have to have effort, no question. But at the end of the day, we can objectively look as people who watch the league and say, look, this Hawks roster defensively is not very good. They they have some defensive challenges. They have a couple guys who are really good defenders. Like Capella is really good, obviously. Akangwu um, is already pretty good and will be even better in the future. Hunter has the tools to be pretty good defensively, obviously at a bare minimum DeLon Wright, They have some guys, but like you have the aforementioned Trey, you have the aforementioned Gallo um, Herter, I think is underrated defensively, but isn't a huge plus either. Like he's just fine. Yeah. Uh, Bogey, I thought was pretty bad this season defensively overall. Um, so yeah, I mean, that, that's all your guys that you're playing. I mean, Collins is, I think again, probably a little bit underrated, but still not a huge plus, just more of like a solid, pretty good guy. So like, limitations when you have two glaring weaknesses plus some other semi weaknesses uh it's tough i mean you have to build your team the way you build your team and you're starting from a place where trey young's your best player that's always gonna put you behind the eight ball but like we gotta, we gotta be honest about the roster it's not great defensively before you get into anything else
1: yeah well and this is has always been the thing with trey i mean i remember talking about this with you at hawks games in 2019 i'm sure we um, did <laughs> before we were like wearing masks and having to worry about all of the yeah true yeah, chaos Um, but you know, like talking about, okay, what does the team look like long-term around someone who's probably always going to be one of the five to 10 worst defenders in the NBA? I mean, it's hard to do. It's even harder when your team doesn't have a whole lot of two-way players. I mean, they can put some really good offensive lineups on the floor and they did this season like Gallo. That's why you get him is because he juices your offense and he did, but then you're giving a lot of that back defensively. And. Like that's I, the that's eternal what,
0: question is like, can you can you find four two way players to put with Trey Young, basically? Right, which
1: was why, like at the time, the whole like Trey Herder, reddish Hunter, Capella or Collins if he turns into a defender thing was interesting, is because like okay, you have these two potentially really good defensive wings who could also maybe hit a three and do some secondary playmaking, and then you know you can kind of build it out that way around this one if you just have this one really weak defender you can cover that up with four good to great defenders around him. They have been unable to do that for varying reasons over the last few years. But like, to me, like someone like DeLon Wright, who played, I thought played pretty well against Miami was one of the few Hawks who played really well. That is, it could be instructive for them because that seems to be the kind of player that you need next to Treyon, like a, just a versatile combo guard with some defensive versatility. I remember we talking about like Lonzo Ball like two, three years ago as a potential target. You know, someone like that who can defend either guard spot, maybe do a little bit offensively, but mostly you just have him in there to cover up for Trey defensively. It's just hard to find those guys. And like Delon Wright, as good as he was against the Heat, probably not good enough to be that guy as a starter next to Trey Younger, like as a key rotation player. So it it's it's probably gonna be that you you end up starting like kind of an you you either start like someone like Herder who's okay defensively and pretty good offensively, I think, or you start someone who's really good defensively but can't really do anything offensively at the two. Like that's probably the the formula you have to use because of how bad Trey is. And then you you also have to have multiple plus defenders around him. and if if Capella is gonna continue to decline like he did this season, that's worrying. Gallo is not getting any younger. Collins is fine defensively as a four, but in this environment, you probably need him to be better than fine. If your overall defense is going to be fine. Um, DeAndre Hunter's just always a wild card, both for his injury concerns and also just the inconsistency when he is on the floor. So I don't know. It, it's, it's a very, it, it's the thing that we've always said about Trey Young, but it's, it bears repeating that it's just always going to be difficult when, your best offensive player, the guy that you essentially have to build the team around is that bad defensively. That's always going to place constraints on the way you build out the rest of your roster. And I think for as good as they were offensively this year, the Hawks kind of felt the downside of that in a lot of ways on the defensive end.
0: Yeah, they definitely did. That's, uh, that's certainly that's really well put. Um, all right, I'm going to ask you in a second uh, how they how they climb out of this, if they how they can fix it. Obviously, you can't change the whole roster overnight, but uh, I want to know what you think about what the future might hold. But before we get to that, our final break on the podcast to hear from our sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by Rock Auto. In the auto world these days, there are so many makes and models that it's actually really almost impossible for a local chain store, stock all the car and truck parts that you actually need. And even if they had them. Do you actually want to endure the question from the person behind the counter, They just want to sell you the brand they want to sell you? And what happens to the warehouse and uh, just what's easiest for them, to be honest with you. Instead of doing all that, you have access to rockauto.com at home or in your pocket, and that's a much better option for you at this point. And why spend more? The exact same audio ports from a chain store or a dealership when you order them at rockauto.com. And it's very, very easy on top of that. And rockauto.com is a family business. They have been serving customers for more than 20 years. And the prices at RockAuto are reliably low for each and every customer, no matter who you are. And they absolutely have everything you possibly need for your car or your truck. That includes brake parts and tail lamps, motor oil, even carpet. And rockauto.com is the place that you need to go for all of the parts available for your car and your truck. And from there, right, locked on when you get there and they ask you in the box how you heard about rockauto.com. That's where you put the locked on moniker so they know that we sent you to them. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, Ben, let us tackle the question of what to do now, because we talked about a little bit about the offensive issues in the Miami series, the defensive issues overall. Um, most of the roster is under contract um in fact uh eight of their top nine guys from this last year are currently under contract the Wright right being the only exception uh who they could bring back if they wanted to he's got he's got bird rights etc um gallo is on the weird non-guarantee might have, may not, may not be back we'll see but they can keep him if they want to uh let's say um i, I won't put you in charge of the franchise that's that's probably unfair to you ben but uh what do you think they actually need to do? Because there's, there's this raging debate now about like whether the priority needs to be a number two score, like a, I'm not going to throw names out there for now, but a number two score. Let's just say that after the playoffs, the way that all ended versus like, do you just need better wings on defense? Do you like want to just move on the margins? Like there's kind of this debate about whether you need to like overarching change or just like kind of working on the margins, trying to find a two way guy somewhere to help the defense, etc. Where do you land? Because, you know, it's not always that simple, but like. I guess there's that just raging debate. So I want to know what you think about like the roster for next season and beyond.
1: Yeah. I get the sentiment behind bringing in a number two scorer, probably more than I would have said like a month ago, because of what we talked about with in the playoffs. Like you'd probably, yeah, you just need some more diversity and I, and I understand where that's coming from. I still kind of think though, like the resources that it would take to acquire that guy, like what you're sacrificing to bring that guy in who, by the way, is probably not going to be very good defensively.
0: Well, and that's the thing where you, you know me very well, Ben. Uh, my antenna is always up like pick whichever one of these guys you want, whether it's Donovan Mitchell, whether it's whoever you want to say. Uh, the vast majority of them, uh, perimeter scores in particular, are not great defensively, yeah. And if you find a guy that is, he isn't
1: available, right? Exactly, <laughs> it's, so, Jason, it's
0: Jason Tatum, and you, and you can't yeah. get that guy. So, congratulations. <laughs>
1: Um, so to me, the that issue is maybe better solved through coaching and just trying to turn Herder or Bogdanov. Because I mean, I think in theory, Herter and Bogdanovich are those guys. I think Herter is an excellent secondary creator. Bogdanovich is not I had higher hopes for him as a passer early in his career, and he seems yeah. like he's just not gonna get there.
0: He, he's wired as a number as a number two scorer because he kind of that's the the one good thing about having Bogdanovich in the current iteration is that he's the only other guy on the roster that's like willing to take shots Mm -hmm. in a way that number two scorer needs to take shots. Like we saw Hunter get really aggressive in game five, which was actually cool to see, but I don't think that's just something you can bank on. He's not really done that in his career and has not been efficient either. Bogey. If you were trying to find the number two guy on the, on the offense on the perimeter, it's been both by default and because he's actually willing to do it. So like, yeah, I'm kind of with you. Um, I just don't know what they think internally about that. Like, I, I feel like, Obviously, is not going to be your number two score. He could be your second creator sometimes. Maybe they thought Hunter was going to give them more on offensively. But, like, yeah, it's like you have to put in a lot of chips in. Even if you go, like, a step below Donovan Mitchell, who's obviously going to cost a lot if they try to get him, and just pick, like, generic top 50 in the NBA player in the league score type, you got to trade three or four assets to get that guy. And like, where are those assets? Like maybe you trade a Kong Wu and keep Capella. Maybe you do whatever you got to do there, but like, you're going to have to trade a lot to get that guy and then also create other holes in your roster without being able to fill them. So it's like, you, ha- you kind of have to have priorities, but internal might be the way to go, particularly if you can find your next, you know, two-way wing. Because I, I do have sympathy for people who think that like, look, the wing the wing rotation is not good enough. At least, had, at least was not good enough this year. I'll say that just plainly as I, uh, you know, take Reddish out of it, who was their fourth wing for like half the season. But let's just say Herder, Bogdanovich, and Hunter in their current form, particularly in, in this year's downright Hunter, that isn't going to be good enough to win anything with this, with those three guys. It's just not. And they don't have the depth beyond them. So, like, I think my broad takeaway would be, like, try to improve the wing. But then you get into, like, do you want a defensive wing? Do you want a scoring wing? Like, I know you need to be better there. I don't know what the answer is in terms of what you have to actually do to do that.
1: Yeah, I would I would lean toward a defensive, maybe not even a wing, but like a guard, like someone who can guard point guards and not get burned, or or maybe you go with like an off-ball forward, like a Robert Covington type. And I know the Clippers just traded for him, so they're probably gonna want to re-sign him. And Steve sure. Ballmer, I'm sure, will have no hesitations about spending the money to well, do that. Yeah,
0: well, they had their best moments with the Lon Run right on the floor in the playoffs. And honestly, right. he he's not like a starter that you want to play 35 minutes a night, but the Wright right. Did that. Like he gave them that force defensively, like got Trey a little bit easier matchups, all that stuff. And again, like I love the Wright. right. It's well-documented. He's my guy, but like not even, I think the Wright right. Should be playing 35 minutes for you. Yeah. But like, that's, it's not a coincidence that when, when he was out there in the playoffs is when they actually had their best moments.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I, I go probably if it were up to me, I, w- I would go down the defensive guard slash wing, route, just like kind of perusing through the upcoming free agent list, Gary Harris is an interesting name. If he has anything left, like that's a guy I thought he ended up not getting bought out, but that I thought could be an intriguing buyout guy for the Hawks when that was, you know, in the news. Um, I I think that makes some sense as a free agent and and particularly too, because like you said, if you're going to acquire, let's say a Donovan Mitchell or someone of like, maybe below that level, a secondary scorer, those guys cost a lot, like you said. The other types of players, the Gary Harris's, the defensive, the DeLon Wright's, those guys are like almost perennially undervalued on the market. So you can probably pick up one of those guys for not very much and have him make an impact. Now, is it is it going to be enough of an impact that it, he's actually moving the needle for you in the playoffs? Maybe if it's that level, you do need to spend a lot of money or a lot of assets or whatever Absolutely. it takes yeah. to get him. So I like, I get that, but even then it still probably costs less to get that guy than it does to get the number two score. And like I said, when you have Trey young, I don't think you need like an all-star number two offensive player. You just need guys who can do something when playoff defenses take Trey out of what he wants to do. And as I said earlier, I think the Hawks have those guys on the roster. It's just a matter of using them in more creative and more dynamic ways. So to me, the, the, it's, fairly straightforward like what the goal should be of the offseason who knows how feasible it's going to be but i think you try to get like a better rotation forward who can like make plays away from the ball and be a good help defender because that that was one thing in addition to point of attack defense that the hawks just didn't really have so like if you can upgrade the gallow spot into a covington type something like that that makes some sense to me um, and then and just a defensive wing to pair with Trey, not even as a starter necessarily, but just as someone who can play rotation minutes, just a, a better version of the DeLon Wright role, I guess, um, or, or someone who's just going to more consistently give you what DeLon Wright gave them in the playoffs. Sure, But you get what I'm trying to say. I mean, it's those no, types I, of guys that I think they should be pursuing.
0: Yeah, and I, and I think just to say it out loud, like obviously in a perfect world, you would pair Trey Young with Jason Tatum. You know what I mean? Like with a six, eight two way forward that can play defense and also score or jail. I mean, obviously a step down from there, Jalen Brown, like pick whichever guy you want. That's the player you actually need. If you are the Hawks in my mind to be a contender, Mm -hmm. but that player is so incredibly difficult to get that. Like, yeah, if the guy decides he wants to be available and ask for a trade this summer that we're not foreseeing, then sure. But like, you can't just, that can't be your only plan for next season alone. Like you can't just say, hold on and trade for that guy. Or like I've seen recently that, you know, there's Hawks fans that are in love with like trying to get down Ray to come. It's like, I know he's a free agent, but like he, he has to choose Atlanta. Yeah. Then he has to, then he has to sign and trade. Cause you don't have any cap space, you know? Okay. Rudy Gobert is interesting. Like that's come up and uh, that's interesting. Like he's better than Capella, but like, does he really solve all your problems? I'm a skeptic on some level. He would obviously make you better, but a lot of money for a lot of years, et cetera. So like, there and Don Mitchell, I've, I've long said I don't want, I don't love that idea as for two small offense only guards playing together. Mm. So, yeah, I think that, you know, big picture, you probably do need to just hit on something huge. And, you know, maybe Jalen Johnson becomes a superstar. I, I don't know. But, like, beyond that, you got to try to just prioritize and figure out who's available to you. And because of the team building that you've already done, it has to be on trade. I mean, you're going to be picking in the middle or late first round picks every year. And maybe you hit a diamond in the rough, but like, you can't expect that. And then you're over the cap forever. Like you're never gonna be over the cap for a long time. You've committed all this all this money forever now. So like you're you're limited to trades and draft, and your draft picks are more in the modest range. So like this is the bed you've chosen to make. And um, you know, you, you paid that price to speed up a little bit quickly uh, when they kind of pushed their chips in two summers ago, and it worked. You made a conference finals with it, but now you have to look at the roster and just like kind of decide what you want to be. And I'm not sure what that is. Like, do they want to move on for Capella? That's another question. Obviously, you talked about it earlier, but eventually they're going to have to choose a center. Between, you don't draft a Congo at number six overall and have him be a 12-minute-a-game backup for his whole career. Cool. That's not going to happen. So, like, either you trade him or you trade Capella or something else happens there. Collins is always on the market, like, for two straight years now, basically. I don't know what they're going to do, but uh, I know they, they obviously have to get better on, on defense, and it certainly would help them to have a better number two option. I think this Heat series, to bring it all full circle, was a particularly bad matchup for their offense. Like, if you were I drawing agree. up a situation to have the Hawks struggle offensively, it would have been that Heat team. Um, but they still exist. I mean, you got you had to beat them to get to where you wanted to go, and you couldn't Well, beat and, them, I mean, so. the
1: Celtics are kind of built in a similar mold, too. So are. there are multiple of those teams that could give them trouble.
0: Yeah, the Celtics definitely, certainly defensively. I mean, they don't have – I mean, I almost said they don't have P.J. Tucker, but, like, they have bigger guys. They have Robert Williams. They have they – have, They have
1: the defensive player of the year, Brad. They have the best uh, defender in the NBA.
0: Uh, you, that's bait for me. man. I won't I won't I won't do the whole thing about Marcus Smart's being awesome. I want to say that he's awesome. Marcus Smart's awesome. Great first team all defense caliber he's defender. He's a great defender. Yeah. He, should not have, he should not have won an award in my mind. But alas. Um, but no, we talked a lot about it, but like I just there's the desire, and I get it. There's a there's a desire for a quick fix on this Hawks team to like what what takes them from this to tell a contender next year? And my my answer when I'm being snarky but also accurate is like someone asking for a trade only to Atlanta that only wants to come here. That's a top 10 player in the league. Other than that, like they can get better obviously, but I, I do have a hard time seeing them go from what they were this year to legitimately title level team without yeah. something weird that I, I just cannot see happening in the next year. Like long-term, maybe, maybe Hunter makes another leap. Jalen is a guy that, that, that finds it. Like, they have, they have long-term pieces. They have they have assets. They have extra, they have an extra pick from Charlotte, all that stuff. But Short term, it is a little bit more like incremental. Like I think you want to be, I think they even somebody said it. Exit interviews. It was like step one is avoid the plan next year, and it's like they kind of said it in a laughing way, but it's also true. Like you just can't be where you were this year. Get back right. to where you were last year in that four or five, and then then you have something going.
1: Yeah. Well, and you mentioned Hunter. I was going to bring him up, and I mean maybe he is the two way wing. It's not looking like. I mean, they hope he be. is. Hope I do too. Is. I mean, I've always kind of liked him, and I, I think. I mean, I, I still think he has that in him. It's just, is it ever going to really come out in? Yeah. He, he had the board. great game. F- yeah. I, know, I, know
0: you, I know you saw it, but like he had the awesome game five yeah. where like he had what, what, what was thirty something points and he was making jumpers and shooting pull-ups and like that. Um, It's one of those times when like it, it pays off to watch a team every day for a full season. And I don't say this to be, to be negative, but the Hunter was pretty bad this season. Like for year three, and he wasn't 100% healthy all the way through. But if you told me that was the player Hunter was going to be in year three when they drafted him, I would have told you that was a very bad outcome for yeah. this year on the whole. Now, that doesn't mean bailing on other Hunter. I think he's still a talented guy. He actually shot well from three this year. That's a positive thing. But he's got to be better than he was this year. I think he's probably going to get a little bit overrated nationally because of game five. And people just saw that happen. But, like, taking a step back and looking at his – I mean, even if you're not a big advanced numbers person, his metrics this year were not kind – on the whole, uh, offensively, he had some interesting moments, let's say. Even defensively, I think he was okay, but he wasn't this great defender this year. So, like, he has a long way to go, and famously, he's not super young. He's 24, he'll yeah. be 25 in December. So, like, he is their best bet at that internally. I think he definitely still has the most upside. Like, he has higher upside than Kevin Herter does. I think Herter had a better season than Hunter did, which if you pulled uh, random NBA observers and asked them who was better this year, Hunter or Herter, I bet people would say Hunter, and they'd be wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just interesting to me. But yeah, you're right. I mean, you're hoping if you're the Hawks the, that he's now healthy going into the offseason, he can develop and make, make that leap in year four. And it happens sometimes it takes four years for guys to get to where they got to go, or five years to get where they got to go. And uh yeah, the internal improvement option, he's the guy. You, I mean, I guess him and a Kong Wu are the guys that you still circle and say, all right, they still have big time upside. So that's what you have to hope for.
1: Yeah. No, I, I agree on all counts with with everything you said. If I can put on my Magic Johnson hat for a second here, I, oh. I think all they need to do yes, trade for Rudy Gobert, uh, get Jalen Brown to come home, trade for him, if they acquire Mikael Bridges good. somehow. Yeah, that's great. Develop DeAndre Hunter into. <laughs> Whoa! Well, you know,
0: okay, so they've got they've gotten uh, they've gotten
1: <laughs> Jalen Brown without they without they trading Trey DeAndre Hunter. Your, if your problems are solved.
0: No, I, it is kind of. Fun. I'm not trying to pick on fans, and I get it but I've seen a few of those like off season plan things on Twitter yeah. that have gotten retweeted. And it's like, it's always like somehow they end up with Gobert or Deandre Ayton and Jalen Brown and somebody else. And it's That's like, right. do they have, do they only have five guys? Do they have a bench anymore? Like if they, they traded every pick that they have, I'm just confused how they got all these guys, but no, has
1: the NBA like gone down to 12 teams?
0: Listen, uh, <laughs> There is a scenario where they actually can trade for Rudy Gobert. That's actually quite plausible to me.
1: I would support that, honestly. I think it, that makes some it, sense.
0: It all depends on what you pay. I mean, I don't think I'm in love with it, but at a certain price, you just you do it because he makes you better. That's a bad contract. Or maybe, maybe not bad. It's a, it's a very expensive. That could be bad contract. It, by the it's end.
1: questionable on the back end. It's a lot of money. Yeah.
0: Um. But then my my thing is always okay. Let's say you trade Capella and other stuff, which is what it's going to cost Capella and other stuff for Rudy Gobert. What's your next move? Because that alone does not make you a contender. I'm, uh, my apologies. But Rudy in place of Capella, is a, it's an improvement, but that's not going to take you from where you were this year to contender status because Capella's really good, and Rudy's better, but, like, you have to do something else. That doesn't just fix all your problems. We, we've already yeah. seen Rudy Gobert try to play uh, catch-all for a bad perimeter defense. Uh, it didn't go that well in the last couple years in Utah, so – We'll see. Yeah. Anyway. Although I,
1: I think somehow the Hawks perimeter defense is better than Utah's. <laughs> it is.
0: I mean, I, honestly, in the play in the playoffs, it was better. I mean,
1: yeah.
0: we'll call Donovan and, and Trey a, a, a relative wash. Maybe Donovan's slightly better, but I think not by much. Not by uh, much. But like when you factor in what they were playing, when it came to Mike Conley, who I love, but is kind of done on defense. Yeah. And then Royce O'Neal's not any great shakes. Uh, Jordan Clarkson is worse than Kevin Herter defensively. I'll tell you that right now. So, yeah, I think you're actually right. I think Utah is actually worse than the Hawks are
1: Amazingly. Um,
0: defensively outside of Rudy. But uh, that kind of tells you how, how good Rudy is, I guess, because they were a top 10 yeah. defense in the last season, and that's uh, that's remarkable. Anyway, we're off the rails. But uh, I do think the Hawks will do something. That's been my party line. It's like, the, it's like the least sexy answer of all time, and it involves nuance. I think that a guy in the rotation, a, a, let's just say a key guy, a core guy, will be traded. In the summer i don't know who it's going to be i'll tell you it won't be trey but other than that i think everybody else is available and that includes kongwu that includes Jalen John johnson whoever else they're all available i think hunter it probably would be a big deal for him to get traded like him being traded for um for gobert or something like like a star would be the way that he gets traded but other yeah. than that like I think that they're going to do something else running it back after all the comments from Travis slank back to January when he was like, why did I pay all these guys on the radio? Uh, and the way that, and the way that it all ended and, and an owner that wants to win, or at least wants to get some buzz back in, in, in the building, they're going to do something else, but uh, good luck to you finding out what it is. But if you let me, if you find out, let me know.
1: We'll do. Yeah. Your guess is as good as mine at this point.
0: I have some guesses, but I will save them for offline. Uh, Well, that's all I have on on the Hawks front. Unless you have anything else to add on the Hawks. We talked about the Hawks for 40 minutes at this point, but if you have anything, any, any good color to add, please feel free. If not, please plug yourself. And I thank you so much for all the time.
1: Yeah. I think, I think I've just about exhausted my Hawks. uh, Empty the clip on the Hawks. Yeah. Yeah. We emptied the tank here. Um, Similarly, I think my computer is also about to die. So this is good timing. Good timing for all. Um, Yeah. yeah, You can follow me uh, writing about the NBA over at the step back. Um, Lots weekly column, uh, hopefully some good stuff coming out with the playoffs now. Um, Also listen to the read and react NBA podcast. That's a good hope. I I can't, I won't say that myself, but hopefully you find that it's a good, it's a good podcast. uh, Yeah. a Good way to to get some analysis and some opinions on the league. So we'll, we'll, we've been, you know, regularly doing those throughout the playoffs and we'll continue to do so. So you can check both those things out. Uh, Usually I, I tweet them all out. If not, you can just search them and hopefully they'll come up.
0: Thank you again, Ben, for doing this. I uh, I might try to sweet talk you into come back for some like conference finals talk or finals talk, something like that. I will uh, keep the uh, I'll keep the Hawks burden off of you for the most part. Once to make a huge move, I will uh, maybe come, maybe we'll talk again. But uh, you focus on all thirty teams these days more than uh, more than I do. So thank you for joining me on the podcast. I do appreciate all of that. And uh, just for me to say it out loud, I recommend Ben at the highest level uh, writing podcasting. John's just okay. but uh hi john i appreciate Uh, that no thank you sir Uh, as for everybody else please subscribe to this podcast we're back again later week in the week with more content in some form as always and we'll see you next time